This NFL season has been unprecedented and unlike any other we have ever seen and has fundamentally changed the way we absorb and consume football. From no fans in the stands, to coaches wearing masks, to games being postponed or outright cancelled, it's a lot to consume and absorb at once. Thus, I enlisted the help of Brendan Digg. He's a writer for the National Football Post and the host of the Double Doink Podcast. He joined me this week to provide some perspective on how we're redefining the term game day and on-the-fly adjustments. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. some football with you this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. So when we uh, take a 360 degree view of the league, Brendan, what comes to mind is the most pressing or interesting headline around the league for you, buddy? Um, well, I think I think overall around the league, you can kind of, you can take a look at the, in, the injuries that have been happening. I guess around the league, a lot of big names are out. Um, with injury this year, of course, the big one, Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys, um, who went down, and just the Dallas Cowboys as a whole have had just a crazy amount of injuries in their offensive line, have been banged up their quarterback play. And then you could take a look at other teams. Like, look at this weekend, um, Odell Beckham Jr. just went out with a 20 CL, so he's done for the year. There's many, there's many teams around the league that are really struggling with injuries right now, and I think this year kind of puts into a vacuum that you need depth in the NFL to win. And the team that has the most depth at certain positions like offensive line, wide receivers, like those teams that have depth at positions of importance on the offense, you're seeing them succeed more. So I think that's probably the big storyline of the year so far. And how do you think COVID has affected the league? It certainly affected every other aspect of life, and it certainly affected the NFL, too, with what the Tennessee Titans have had to go through. So how do you think COVID has affected the league as well? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not on the front lines there to kind of deal with it, but I'm sure I'm sure it has a, a lot of effect on players, coaches, training staff, um, and everyone involved in every every aspect of this. Because these players have to be cognizant of not going out and, and seeing certain people. Because it, look, football is the ultimate <laughs> football is the ultimate support to spread this disease. Um, it's players are very in close contact with each other on the field and off the field as well. The NFL locker rooms. You've got like 53 guys, and they're all kind of banded together. So 
this is it's very it's probably very difficult for these players to kind of um, live their daily lives without and kind of living um, being careful, not going to like I said big events and, and places where you think that COVID could um, COVID could occur. So I, I believe that it's probably affecting them more mentally than anything. Um, I, there, the Titans went through all of that about two weeks ago, and I'm sure we're going to still see positive cases um, throughout the year for the next for the next nine weeks of the NFL season. But I think in general, the NFL has actually done a pretty good job of handling it. And tell me, uh, uh, the trade deadline is coming up. What sort of movement are you expecting there, buddy? I think the NFL trade deadline always gets a little more hype than, than, it, than it actually is. Um, I think there was only like three trades, I believe, last year. I'd have to double check that. But I know there was an, I know it was a small single-digit number for trades in the NFL last year. I do think this year is going to be a little bit different just with the facts, just with what I brought up earlier with the sheer amount of injuries around the league. So I think you could see a lot more teams being active this year. And I also do think that there are teams that are that are prominent um, sellers this year compared to other years. So you've got your bottom feeders like the Texans, the Cowboys, the Falcons. I, I don't know if I'm missing any teams, but there's a few teams with one win right now and that are they're actually going to be sellers. What happens in the NFL a lot of the time is these teams, when they go, the deadline is set for week eight, which I think is a mistake for the NFL because I think what they need to do is push the deadline maybe back to week 10 or 11, just so you can kind of, so teams can kind of know where they are in in their development process for the year. Because um, it's tough. So some teams are sitting at two and four or two and five, and they, they maybe still have a shot at the playoffs. So they don't know if they should be sellers or buyers. I think this year there is a lot more clear, cognizant view of who sellers and who are buyers. So I actually do think this this year will be we'll see a lot more active. How much I don't know, and I, I do think you will see a big name player get traded. As of, I think JJ Watt is going to be on the move at Houston. Um, that's probably the one name to kind of take a look at. The, the teams need pass rush help desperately right now, and JJ Watt can bring that. And his cap hit will actually allow for teams to take him on. So. He only has a $15 million cap it this year, which is very doable for other for other NFL franchises to take on. And then he, they can basically cut him at the end of the year without any cap it towards their 2021 cap. So uh, I think that's probably the big name to take a, to, to watch for. Um, and it seems like the Baltimore Ravens or the Green Bay Packers, I'm, I'm expecting him to end up in one of those to spot. Yeah, actually, that's a good, uh, that's, a, that's a great, that's kind of what I was talking about before is the fact that you you might have teams that think they can squeeze in the playoffs and be buyers sellers. I think the extra playoff maybe down the road in future years will have an effect. I don't think you will see it much this year, just like I said, with the fact that there are teams out there that like the Vikings, the Texans, the Cowboys, um, Washington, the Giants, Jets, these teams are not making the playoffs and everyone knows that around the league. And I think them as organizations know that. So that's why you're seeing them kind of be open up as sellers instead of when other years where the league is a lot closer. You have teams that are, you don't have a lot of teams at the bottom of the league. Um, so I, I think you'll probably see it more effective future years than this year. And Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell got picked up by the uh, Buccaneers and Chiefs respectively. I'm just w- wondering how you think those moves will, will affect the landscape of the teams they went to in the league. I, um, okay, I'll start with Le'Veon Bell. I don't think the Le'Veon Bell move is going to dictate a lot in the Kansas City team. 
He's only going to be getting it between five and ten touches a game. So he's going to have very – he's going to have to make an impact with his five to ten touches. It's not going to be like when he was in New York um, and in Pittsburgh where he's going to have these volume of, of touches and between 20 to 25 touches a game. He's not going to have that, uh, that option in Kansas City. So I think you're going to see kind of this more of a role player from Le'Veon Bell, and I think he's accepted that this year, which is good. I, that was probably the biggest worry from Kansas City was, is he going to be, is he going to bring a, be a distraction to our locker room due to the fact that he wants the more? I think Kansas City kind of has a down path with him. So I, I think he's going to bring a spark to Kansas City. How much, I don't know, and I don't think that. I think the, the name Le'Veon Bell kind of just sparks up more than the fact that the move is actually going to make that much of a difference. Um, the Antonio Brown one's interesting because no one really knows exactly how he's going to react and how he's going to act um, as a player there because, look, he's been he's had his ups and downs and there's been a lot more downs lately than ups in his career. So um, he's been a problem wherever he's went. Everyone happened in Oakland or sorry, Las Vegas where he kind of forced his way out of there and then what happened in New England, he was only lost in one, one game there. So, I um, mean, it's going to be interesting to see how how his personality has trans, uh, transformed to how he is now. It's going to be, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to say how he's going to affect that locker room and affect that team. It's because of the fact that they also have a, a very massive, vast majority of weapons on that roster. Um, you got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, now Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Robert Gronkowski. They have so many guys that are going to want the ball, and there's only one football to go around. So I don't know how much of an impact both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown will have, but I think they both will make positive impacts on the team. I actually do like the move for Tampa Bay to bring Antonio Brown. I think I think it puts them over the top, and they're already they've already seen what happens at wide receiver. They've been kind of banged up at that position all year, so I think this was a great move for them. And I know we've had previous conversations about Tua uh, starting in Miami, and I know that we're, we're both excited to see that this weekend. So could you just give me a few seconds on what you think the uh, move to uh, Tua Tagovailoa uh, means for uh, Miami? Um, I, I like it. I was, uh, I was pushing for the move um, quite a bit um, earlier this year. Um, and I, I think Miami fans should be excited. Look, look, if you kind of take a look around the league of what's going on with other quarterbacks, um, Joe Burrow's done a great job in Cincinnati. It's a wins, there haven't been wins to show it, but he's playing very well. Justin Herbert's kind of taking a lead by storm in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And, and Tua, if you, take, if you kind of remember back, Tua Tagovailoa was probably the designated number one overall pick if he doesn't get hurt. And so in, in Alabama, if he doesn't go down with that injury. So, look, he, he's probably the most talented one of the bunch as well, just from a fear um, a, a fact, like passing the ball factor. He's one of the most accurate college quarterbacks ever. He's kind of got that Drew Brees-style um, kind of quarterback arm to him where everything's accurate. He's very rarely throwing the ball um, places where it shouldn't be. So I thought with Miami – if I was a Miami fan or if I was involved in an organization, I'd be very excited. How much is, how far are you going to bring this team? I don't know. The Miami's roster is good, but it's not elite. And bringing a rookie quarterback to kind of handle the, the reins um, and from week eight on is, is tricky. So it's, that's, that's definitely a storyline to watch for. How far is going to the team? I don't know, but uh, I am definitely excited to see. 
And uh, I know that you're heavily invested in the initiative, East being an Eagles fan and the turf monster and Daniel Jones, the, the Eagles season this past Thursday. So I'm just wondering your thoughts on who's going to win the NFC East, buddy. Uh, well, <laughs> it looks like my Eagles are going to take it just from, just from the sheer fact that there's, there's not a lot of competition out there um, right now in the NFC East. Someone has to win that, right? Someone's got to win it, right? Um, and, like, excuse me, Dallas looked like a complete mess on Sunday. Um, they only put up three points against the Washington football team, and that's, that's bad. Um, Washington is a bottom-tier team, and they're not – and to say that they'll be competition with the Eagles, I doubt it. But just from Dallas's point of view, if you're going to put up three points against them, you're, they're in a lot of trouble. Take Andy Dalton as well is going to be out this Sunday night against the Eagles. So they're going to be going with uh, Danucci, who is a seventh-round pick rookie quarterback. They're down five offensive linemen. So they don't have one starting offensive lineman left. They basically have Zeke, Zeke Elliott and their wide receivers left. I think they're like they have four of their 11 starters left on that offense. So I, I think Dallas is, is in trouble, um, especially also on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense has been a disaster, to say the least, <laughs> through, through, uh, through seven weeks. They're all, like, on a historic pace to give up the most points ever um, in, in an NFL season. So they're, uh, they've got a lot of issues, and a, a lot of issues like from top to bottom, from ownership to coaching staff. The Dallas Cowboys have been a sheer mess, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get that figured out in time this year to kind of make a run for the playoffs. Um, the, the, like I talked about Washington, I, I just don't see it with them. I just don't think they have enough playmakers on offense. Their offensive line is still shaky. I don't know how Kyle Allen, their quarterback, he's uh, he's not a top 25 quarterback in this league, so I don't think he's going to be able to leap them very far. And just the New York Giants, um, I, I just don't think they're ready. Um, you brought up the turf monster, Daniel Jones. Um, they, they played they played pretty well um, last th- on Thursday night against the Eagles, and they, they, they did show something. It's just I, I think they're without their best player in Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year, and I, I still think that offensive line's a mess. The Eagles are still able to get pressure on them, so I, I think the Giants are kind of a year away. I, I don't expect them to do anything this year, so it kind of leads it to the Eagles, and the Eagles have the best quarterback in the division right now in Carson Wentz, but. They are, they are also banged up with injuries. They're, they have four of their five offensive linemen out with injury. Um, they, they've had injuries at the wide receiver here. So they're also bad with injuries. And it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of take grasp of this division. They have the opportunity to. They play the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants the next two weeks. And they actually have a bye week after Sunday night. So they, they have some time to get healthy here. So I, I think the Eagles are the best team in the division, not just thinking the bias-wise. And is that a good thing for Eagles fans to make the playoffs? Yeah, I guess so, because you get to see Carson Wentz in the, in the playoffs and maybe get the playoff experience. But all four of these teams in the NFL, in the, in the NFC East, sorry, have a lot of issues, and they have huge holes on the roster that they need to get figured out in the offseason. When it comes to Dak Prescott's future in Dallas, Diggs says it's incumbent upon all parties involved to get a long-term deal done, and he believes, based on his recent injury, that cooler heads will prevail and a long-term agreement will be struck. Um, I think I think it's time they just pay him a long-term contract. To be honest, look, this if you take a look at how much it's affected uh, the Dallas Cowboys with him going out, like they've been. 
their offense hasn't been able to do anything um, since Dak Prescott has been injured with Danny Dalton and Danucci at quarterback. So I think Jerry Jones is going to realize that, and I do think cooler heads will prevail this offseason, and I do think they will get a um, a, uh, a long-term deal done. I think Dak is going to have to take a little bit of a discount, though. Uh, you're probably looking at in the 33 to 30, 31 to $33 million range, I'm guessing over like a four- or five-year period for Dak Prescott, and I think that's worth it um, for both sides. Especially if you look at if you're Dak, if you're in Dak's camp or behind Dak, Right now, you're you're kind of probably pushing him to take a long-term contract. Look at what happened this year. Like he had a freak ankle injury, and who knows? This is this is the type of injury where it could linger on um, or during his career. It probably won't. But uh, the sheer fact of how um, how, uh, how developed the medicine and how developed training staffs are now in the NFL, so I don't think it will be too much of an issue. But it's probably a scary thought for Doc to think like this. I mean, you're one play away in the NFL from from not playing again. Um, and you need to kind of make your money as fast as possible. So I, I think who had prevailed this offseason, I think they get a long-term deal done. Um, and how much does he, it, will the injury affect him long-term, though? Is that, that's the question. And uh, we talked earlier uh, before about uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, before today's interview and how um, if you were advising him, what do you think? Uh, he should uh, do? Would you go back to Clemson or would you be destined uh, to go to uh, the Jets, assuming they have the number one pick? Uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's been a lot of different rumors going around about um, if he's going to go back to Clemson for a year, is he going to like pull an Eli Manning and just refuse to go to the Jets? Um, I'm sure he's probably getting a lot of different people um, in his ear telling him what the best move is and what the, what, what the best thing to do is. Um, I, I personally, I don't know what, what would be the best move for him. Does he like New York? Um, does he have family there? Is there anything that's kind of tying him to New York to go there? That I don't know. Um, but the, the thing is, is the Jets, like, they're not probably guaranteed to get the first overall pick just as, as of yet. Um, there's a bunch of teams with one win, um, still left. The Giants, um, I believe the Vikings still have one win. Falcons still have one win, I believe, or I don't know if they have two, but there are a bunch of teams at the bottom of the NFL right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans. There are a bunch of teams that are kind of sitting at the bottom that, that could overjump them, or not the Jets overjump them to not have the first overall pick. So plenty of time still left, um, but from Trevor Lawrence's perspective, you kind of just have to let, let things play out and see. I don't think he goes back to Clemson for a year. I thought it was a real possibility about a week ago, but the more I looked into it, just doesn't make sense for him and his brand, and just as and just for him as an NFL player, it makes sense to get to the NFL as fast as possible, make the most money as possible. Um, but there, to not go to Jets, it's something kind of lot to see down the road. And I'll combine my uh, last two questions for you. As you know, I live here in Windsor, which is right across the river from uh, Detroit, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the state of the Lions, uh, Matthew Stafford's uh, future with the team. And my final question for you is, what are you kind of expecting for the remainder of the season? Uh, the Lions are an interesting team right now. They're, they're kind of, uh, they've won a few games in a row. Um, or a couple games in a row, sorry. They're, I think they're a different team with Kenny Galladay at wide receiver. I think he makes a huge difference for the Lions um, going forward. And Matt Stafford looks like a different quarterback 
with um, with him at the helm as well. So um, the Lions are a very interesting team. Um, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how things play out um, with this roster and with just with the organization as a whole. Just the fact that uh, the fact that like, the Matt Patricia was kind of like being rumored to be fired like literally about uh, three weeks ago. Then they win three of the last four games, and now everyone's kind of back on the peg wagon. Um, so it, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. I think I think they're probably like an eight and eight football team. Nine and seven, eight and eight is probably where you'll see them finish. Um, they, they have a, they have a tough schedule going forward. Um, I think they have the Colts next week, um, and they have a division game against the Vikings. Um, they they have some winnable games though. Like I, I think they still have to play the Texans, um, but yeah. like they still have the Buccaneers. Titans, Bears, Panthers, so they, they have some tough sledding. So to see them make the playoffs, they, they could be like a contender for the wild card. Um, you know, but it's definitely something to watch just with the fact that like if they make the playoffs, if they squeeze in that wild card, do they still keep Matt Patricia? Um, I don't know. They're, I hope they're, not. They're, they're a very tough team to get a read on, to be honest. And just finally, what are you uh, anticipating for the remainder of the season? Like what? What are you watching for, and and what are you, uh, what are you most inter- interested to see play out? Um, I'm really interested in the Kansas City Chiefs. How they how they kind of how they play out. That's the kind of team I, I'm watching. I think they're the team in football right now, and I don't think any team's close. To be honest, I thought the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs heading into the season would be the two best teams, and I thought there was a big gap between them two in the rest of the league. I don't think that anymore. I think the Ravens have kind of fallen back to earth. I think the Lamar Jackson, um, Lamar Jackson's uh, like kind of offense, that offense ran around him, is, is being figured out around the league, and a lot of teams are kind of figured out how to stop it. So they're going to have to kind of win more on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion, this year than they did last year on offense. The Chiefs, in my opinion, are becoming more of a complete team. They're winning by running the ball. Um, their defense has played really well. And then they still have the best quarterback in the homes. So I, I think that's definitely a team to watch to see kind of how good they can be. Um, and I, the, another thing to watch too is the top of the NFC. I am very interested. You have a bunch of you have a team like the Green Bay Packers. Um, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears. But there's a bunch of good teams at the top of the NFC, and no one's really kind of taking a grasp of that conference. So I'm really kind of curious to see how the the top of the NFC conference is going to play out as well. Um, I'm interested to see if Aaron Rodgers can kind of bounce back. Well, he did already did against Texas, but I'm kind of interested to see how good he can be going down the stretch to see if the Packers maybe add someone to the deadline. Um, so kind of, the, I'm really interested to kind of talk to the, each conference going forward. Fantastic, Brennan. I want to uh, thank you uh, for a few minutes. I know that we've tried to uh, schedule this for a long time and really enjoyed our conversation talking some football. Enjoy the rest of the season, and I want to thank you uh, for your time this morning, buddy. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. I really appreciate it.